0: Thank you for joining us for Faith in Four Letter Words. I'm Amanda Goodman. And I'm Tara Thomas.
1: We are so excited to bring you another exciting edition of our now three episodes in podcast. So this is our number number four. four. (laughs) Are we going to start doing like anniversary
0: shows? I feel like we should. (laughs) I I feel like we really should like have confetti fall from the, you know, and we're being recorded. And I don't know if this is, this is not a good size. I have no good size anymore, but we are being recorded. We want to thank, we are brought to you by Rock Gym and Rock Fit. They are the OG of workouts in the Cedar Valley. They are often duplicated, never, you know, often imitate, never duplicated. I right. think that's the right way to say it. Also, Ketman Aesthetics, they are the home of the Vampire Facelift. It is amazing.
1: Making us look good with some extra help that we can't <laughs> secure on our that's own, exactly right?
0: right. Well,
1: we are doing a timely topic in that so much has been circulating about the content of that new morning show, award-winning now morning show, Jennifer Aniston picking up a SAG award this past Sunday, which all they did was focus on her reaction to Brad Pitt's speech and his backstage, you know, viewing of her on the monitor. So important to mention that in that that's really what this episode, Behind the Curtain, will spotlight is how much men are the drivers. The man behind the curtain is a man, and he or she ultimately on the
0: desk is controlled by said person in the shadows. Right. Now, the morning show, it's on Apple TV, and I watched it, and it was one of those, once I was in it, I watched it all day long. I went on that binge watch. And at one point, I, had, I got up, I had a, I I ripped my headphones out and I went outside because I was like getting so amped up. I was so angry and irritated and I was literally having flashbacks. I mean, it sounds so juvenile and it sounds like it really wouldn't happen, but that's what was, it was triggering me watching that. Oh, I'm sure. And it was, I, you know, it, it, this this man. So basically, come on, they're mirroring this whole story off of a Matt Lauer. They are. I mean, they even have like the button underneath the desk that closes in his, you know, dressing room. And here this man, he had predatory behavior, he was using his position of power, you know, and women were having affairs with him to further their career. They admitted it, they knew, they were afraid they were going to lose their job if they didn't all this other stuff. And so in comes like Jennifer Aniston's character, she's going to lose her job. She finds out and he you know, because they said, well, she's getting old. We need to replace mm-hmm. her. And I'm like, here we go. And here is this guy who was doing everything behind the scenes, but he knew how to play the game. He knew how to kiss up to the right people. He knew how to go play golf and rub elbows with, you know, the, the, the top honchos. And there it was. And so his job was always secure. Absolutely. So there it was again. This guy, even and they all knew that this character played by Steve Carell, they all knew what he was doing. That he was having these affairs and illicit behavior with these young, you know, young producers, young reporters who were trying to work their way up, you know, management got involved, tried to silence it. And they were going to get rid of the female anchor, Jennifer Aniston, because, you know, they weren't sure they thought the ratings, they blamed the dip on the ratings on her. And somewhere Matt Lauer is
1: thinking they really picked Steve Carell to model, (laughs) 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 to best depict me on. Now, Bombshell is the motion picture that is detailing or chronicling the Fox News, you know, Fox cable network level of engagement with their, I can't even think of his name, Rupert Murdoch, and some of their key female personalities, Megyn Kelly, Mm -hmm. as played by. Charlize Theron, I have to be in a good emotional space to really even take this content in, like you just described, because it will trigger so many memories that we've probably buried because we had to sort of plow ahead and cope to be able to stay in a business that at that time in our lives that is all we felt we could do. That was our skill set. That's what we had moved all over the country for. So when you make so many sacrifices along the way, people don't understand that you can't just, you know, go to HR, hire a lawyer and walk away. You cannot do that. And so many women in any career today face similar circumstances. And I just talked with a professor, actually, a former I think she was a copywriter and a marketing person who's a professor at University of Iowa about this. And I said, you know, what is your advice to these young women? Because she was faced with an ethical situation really driven by sexism. And she didn't walk away because she had built up years of experience. And at the position she was in, she needed the paycheck, but she also needed to stay viable. Right, right to survive in an industry where, at that point in her career trajectory, she felt there was no plan B, there was no exit door that she could safely walk through. And so she said, I will not fault any woman for, in a sense, shutting up and taking it if the good ultimately outweighs the bad in that you're still maintaining some level of your positional power and authority because you have risen through the ranks to get to that spot. right?
0: Well, it's, I saw recently, Megan Kelly was commenting. And uh, they did a story on her where she said, you know, Roger Ailes, who was the head of Fox, who was later ousted before his, um, he passed away. And she said, you know, I walked in his office and he said, you know, go ahead and twirl for me. So she, you know, and she said, my God, I did. And she's kicking herself now. But I get it. So she was blasted by many people. Why would you do that? You knew what you were getting into. When you want to get into an industry, and that's what, I mean, she's coming from a law background, and she was going to have her own show. I mean, her own primetime show. When you want to, you do that, and you don't even realize it's wrong because you're like, this is just part of the job. Being on television, it is about looks. Absolutely. Hence her Vanity
1: Fair Photo spread, if right. you will.
0: It's, it's about look. So you know what you're signing up for. So it was interesting to me when I was at a station in North Carolina and I was positioned to do, you do the mommy stuff, it was – I will never forget when they told me, you know, can you go write a blog about what toys are the hot toys for this Christmas season? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm a journalist. And the anchor that I had at that time, and it was the older gentleman. He had been there for many, many years. He looked right at me and said, I'm the face of the station. You're just the side piece. Wow. Yeah. So when I would was hired – In Iowa, the general manager, who was a huge mentor of mine, and he's the one who hired me, I asked him if you know, do you have any advice? He's like, I need you to stop being so like you're like a pit bull on the desk. And I said, because if I don't, I'm never going to get a chance to talk. I had to talk over him, over my anger. I never had that chance to. And so when I moved here to Iowa, you know, the general manager at that time, my the boss who I respected would say to me, enough with this mommy stuff. Show people your chops, show people you are a journalist. You know, it's not about what you look like. It was like, this is refreshing. Cause I've never had that. I never had that before. Mm -hmm. I never had that before. But it was that time in North Carolina where I was just like, okay, I'm supposed to fit in this role. And the inappropriateness of what was happening led by that person who I was working side by side with, you know, during three newscasts. And it was just, you get away with everything. Because you're the face and I am replaceable and dispensable and they can just find somebody younger who's not going to speak up. Absolutely. When you think of the sheer
1: nature of a business where women are not being allowed to age out, By default, you have a lot more experienced men just in terms of the years that they will build up in an anchor position. So all the women will always be potentially in a position to be underpaid because they will never have the level of years under their belt, so to speak. I mean, you're never going to achieve that seniority level. And it's, you know, no fault of the men because that's just the way the business, the culture Mm has allowed things to persist. So I I will never forget back in Yakima, Washington, in my early news anchor days where I was a co, you know, I was the main female anchor with a a male co-anchor. And one of our promo photos that was airing in the local newspaper at the time that was running really daily in the paper had him positioned in front of me. I was behind him. Every time. And then we had sports and weather Mm -hmm. flanking us on either side. And a woman pointed out to me you should be in the front she said you're the more dominant credible personality of the two you should be in front and it it was the it, it just struck me at, no one had ever pointed that out to me nor had i ever considered that i shouldn't play second fiddle to him and no. so it was really eye opening because i started to then realize how much we fall in line as young females just trying to, you know, claw our way into these positions. And you just accept that that's the default is that the man would take the lead all across the board. And then that extends into the literal boardroom because the vast majority of management would be male driven.
0: I think about a time there was Hurricane Irene hit that was several years ago. Okay, my son at the time, Nico, was only a couple months old. And Gia, so I had to go and sleep at the station. So my poor husband is at home with our three year old daughter. And then, uh, like Nico, who was three months old, right? I had to breastfeed and give the milk to emergency medical staff that could <laughs> take it in floodwaters to my house. But I had to stay at the station. I had to stay at the station for three nights in a row. I slept under my desk. I laid upstairs. I, would, I was able to take five, five to 10 minute cat naps right? My hair was full of dry shampoo. My co-anchor at that time who had been at that station for 30 plus, 35 plus years, he would go home. He had, you know, like emergency crews taking him home and he slept for eight hours. So there I am. I will never forget. I was sitting on the desk. I'm on like 15 minutes of sleep and he comes up, sits on the desk, sits at the anchor desk and is like, all right, it's my, my show now. I'm wow. like no, is it? We're going to end this right now. I I've been staying here night after night. I've been doing continuous coverage. You've been sleeping. At, you've had eight hour you know rests at home. But he was like, no, this is my show. What part of that don't you understand? And that's when I was just like, I'm a, I'm done. I'm a, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for your throat, and then we're done. So it was. I was tired of it. I was tired and like for me. And you know, you and I always talk about. It. You mentioned in the the one episode where you know we weren't plucked from a. Beauty pageant stage. Correct. We got into this to be journalists. We understood looks were important, so we tried to take care of ourselves the best we could. And, you know, but we got in here for the business. So that's why there is resentment when I see people who don't sacrifice what we sacrifice or just kind of get something handed to them. And because it's more than that, we're more than pro- It wasn't about reading a prompter, it was about, you know, and it wasn't about judging us based on how we looked. And so that's what you know, gets me. And then when we were told about how we needed to look, it was always coming from a man and no offense to any, I love men. I have four children. So clearly I love men. Like I love my husband. So, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, they're telling me what a woman should look like, what I should look like. Who are you to tell me how I should look? I think that I'm pretty, I was relatable. You know, when I had the extra pounds on after having a baby, I was relatable to the mom at home. I, you know, I'm not an Instagram star by any means, and it's gonna snap back into that. So that was always hard for me. So that's why that show, the morning show, um, it triggered me Mm -hmm. because they tell Reese Witherspoon's character as she's coming up and they plucked her from you know obscurity at some station in West Virginia, and they're getting ready to put her on this network show. And he looks at her and says, "You're not. You don't look like a woman should." And she's like, "What does that even mean?" And I'm I'm like, "My goodness." And she said, "If I look if I was Mother Teresa, I wouldn't be good enough." And she said, "You're right because Mother Teresa's too old."
1: And it all goes back though to unfortunately what we've talked about, women often drive those viewing habits. And so when we as moms, as new moms have that baby weight, the expectation would be, "Oh, women want to see Real women like them who are wearing, you know, the right. elastic waistbands. But the day that I came back from maternity leave after having my first child in 2008, no, that was my second child. So 2006, the day I came back from that long six week maternity leave, which was by today's standards, unfortunately, the reality for a lot of women, but also ridiculous. If you think about only six months or six weeks that right. I was home with my newborn. And I, in the mail that day, received a handwritten letter from a woman saying, you should be ashamed of yourself that you are back at work. You should be home with your baby. And I remember I had to just be okay with knowing that some people will say, you know what? It's not okay that you are trying to balance this personal life and working world existence you need to choose one. And the reality for women, we are always in a position where we're not going to be able to choose one, but the cultural norms and expectations are that you're somehow letting down your family if you're not more present and the men get a pass. And so I always would you know, come back with, hey, I'm fortunate that I'm married to a teacher. So when I went back to work after that six-week maternity leave, my husband was home with our daughter for the rest of the summer, giving her so much attention that the wheels of the stroller wore down. He was taking her on so many walks and spending so much quality time with her. So, you know, we as women have no idea what's going on, really, as we appropriately name this behind the curtain. But the reality is it doesn't matter. There is a default that the societal, you know, sometimes driven by women's viewpoint is going to be that we just don't have and haven't earned that level of control and positional authority in a career field of really any field these days contrasted to a man. The man gets to lead the charge, lead the show, be, be the one who calls the shots. So when I passed one of my former news directors in the hall one day on the way to the studio and he took a big inhale and said, what's that flavor? To me, it was one of many examples where I was (laughs) embracing and accepting the sexist overtones Mm -hmm. that really, I would say, if you weren't being subjected to it, you were in an exception Mm -hmm. outlier circumstance because every newsroom I know from here to Texas is full of a lot of that sexist behavior. But I would say that extends to other work environments as well. The difference being, back in our time in TV news, you didn't have this huge pendulum, hashtag me too swing, where people were going to start speaking up and doing something about it. I mean, if you went to HR or, you know, thought about taking action, you could essentially blackball yourself from any job anywhere. And
0: you would, because what people don't understand (laughs) is that Sometimes the, those are in char- who are in charge, your immediate supervisor, are so manipulative, and they are master manipulators, and they are already they're in the manager meetings. So they're already tight with HR. They're tight with the, uh, uh, who's running the station, they're tight with whomever. So they're going to paint you. And so for me, being as outspoken as I am, it was easy to paint me as the dri maker. right. Difficult. So, and that's the difference, you know, that we can, that's, that's a whole nother, uh, you know, episode because men will be, you know, called passionate and women are difficult. So that's the issue I have. It is the sexism, sexism and like, you have to break the barriers. And I know, and I encourage all women who are listening to this, we do something or we're expected to do something. And so I... It was in one of my stations and it was like we had um, we were in the conference room and eating breakfast like muffins and all the stuff. And it was mainly men because it was a manager's meeting and I was in there as the main anchor and we're done. and Everybody gets up and they walk out of the room and I'm there. Expected to clean this mess. Wow. And so I went out and I said, what's up? Your mom doesn't work here. Clean up. And it's something so little like that. It was kind, of, and then it was like, "Oh God, there's Amanda. She's so mouthy. She's so like this. She's so this." No, I was just putting my foot down because I was mm-hmm. tired of it, because I was already dealing with people telling me, "Well, I have to look this way," and you know, they were always focused on my appearance. But not what, you know, I love all of my co-anchors that I've had. Well, the majority of them, and the except men, and that the gentlemen over the hurricane debacle, ex- except <laughs> the gentleman over the hurricane debacle, because he was, he just was, he was another master manipulator. And I loved all of. They were all great. Okay. I mean, one of my co anchors, he was on Survivor, very true. But I always always joke around, like I'm not dating like there's I'm not anchoring with Matthew McConaughey. There's not one, like, no one has like a twelve pack. You know what nobody was talking to you. You know, it was hard for me when I had when I wore that red lipstick. Okay, my co anchor at the time had spilled his dinner down his shirt. <laughs> and when he came back, we were joking around. I said, Are you gonna change your shirt? He's like, Nah. But I wore red lipstick. Not one person noticed (laughs) the ketchup and barbecue sauce on his shirt. But this one gentleman told me, if you wear that, he was like, you look like a cheap, trashy, you know, floozy for wearing that red lipstick. I'm like, are you kidding me? He said, if I turn on that news tonight at 10 o'clock and you have that lipstick on. And I was like, what is he, like, threatening me? So I did what I know how to do. I posted a picture of me applying more red lipstick. (laughs) Like, just take it. sir. Like, I'm not... It's just, it just baffles me. And it's just when the, the, there were so many times throughout my career, the men had horrible behavior, horrible, but because they were the man and they were, they, they were the ones that were told that they were driving the, the ratings, they were the ones, and we were supposed to be just the, the good comp, like the little accessories. And it was just, it baffled, it just baffled me. It absolutely baffled me.
1: We cannot let this episode go without mentioning that there was a time when a reporter in the Cedar Valley was dating Matt Lauer. Right. So he would call into the local newsroom and make appearances in the Cedar Valley. So some... Of the listeners may recall that there was so much buzz that at one time it was even mentioned in the National Enquirer that Matt Lauer was spotted in Waterloo, Iowa. But what I think is really almost sad is that when I would read some of the accounts, like you described, of some of these women who were in his midst, as much as I would like to default to say a lot of them are, you know, looking for fame, a settlement or some kind of vindication because they never landed in the Jennifer Aniston or Reese Witherspoon spots, at the same time, I can relate to them also feeling trapped and in a cycle of, am I willing to give all this up Mm-mm. off of one man who is sexually harassing me, unfortunately, in
0: some cases, who they chose to Tara, engage they never, with. And they never would have believed you. Because if you went in there and you complained about the main man right? They would have said, you're jealous. because or he's staring dead. your spotlight and they would have gotten rid of you. And that's exactly what happened. I, I want people to remember back to Matt Lauer. And will I slam him? Absolutely. Because he had predatory behavior. Everyone knew it was happening and no one did anything. Nobody did anything. it was a culture that was
1: set up to protect. Protect him. The king. The king. So you coming in
0: as a part of that culture, either accept it or you're shown the door. And the person who was ready to put the foot down and was not tolerant to any of it and was calling him out was Ann Curry. Now, granted, she's much more of a news person, not a morning show person. That was not, you know, great person, maybe not her role, right? He had her fired. And then had the audacity on her last day to try to side hug her and mm-hmm. go back on YouTube and watch the expression on her face. I mean, I was like, I'm standing with you Anne. I get it like he is something else. She put her foot down because she knew what he was really doing behind the scenes and played to America that this like so many people on, on t- in television news do. Look at me. I'm like, great. Let me pound my chest. I'm this, you know, whether it's a man or a woman doing it. And when really behind the scenes, it is just inexcusable behavior. And she got fired because she spoke up. And we have to credit social
1: media for changing the game when it comes to getting traction behind an issue like sexual harassment that before could have easily been squelched. Right. By the limited platforms where that story could even break or be told. NBC, owning so many entities media-wise, could have squelched the story for eternity. Yet this social media opportunity, this window, like a podcast, to really authentically share what is going on behind the curtain actually made the difference for the women who ultimately, in some form or fashion, might feel that there was vindication. Yeah.
0: It's something. Well, oh, that felt good to get it out.
1: That's a good. <laughs> I, that's a good part. I, to end and I, on. I have yet to watch you have the morning to watch show. It. You so guys have I, to watch it. Wait to see it. You
0: know what's also sad for me though? Like, I'll end on this note. It's sad because so many people who've watched it, everyone who's in works in the business was like, "Yep, spot on." And then so many people who are, you know, my mom is, you know, a ride or die morning show fan. That today, I, I cannot watch morning shows like network because. You just know what's going on. And my mom was just devastated. And she called, she's like, is this really? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so it's changed people's perception. So it's, you will completely, if you are, you know, watch your network or cable news in the morning, it's going to change your whole perspective. But I can tell you it is 100% truth and it's sad.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And on that note, thanks for letting us vent. This is part of our coping with PTSD from a world where oftentimes men were the dominating figures. They were kings.
0: Thanks for joining us.